Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 677 for the 24th of January, 2020. This week, those who need help with spelling, grammar, and style might be inclined to use spelling checkers and grammar checkers. Although these tools can be helpful, it's essential to avoid having them lead you astray. In short circuits, Microsoft's January patches include one that's designed to repair a major security flaw in Windows 10. Installing this patch should be a priority for everyone. If the account you use with Windows 10 is a local account instead of a Microsoft account, you might want to reconsider that decision. And in spare parts, only on the website, Malwarebytes Labs says a company that provides mobile phones for low-income individuals under a federal program has been packing those phones with malware. Responding to threats from do-it-yourself home security system providers, ADT has launched its own brand of user-installable devices. And 20 years ago, we were so concerned with battery life on notebook computers that a company attempted to create a super low power system. Spelling checkers are so common that few applications omit them these days, and grammar checkers are becoming more common. Given the amount of trouble we have with autocorrect, which I often refer to as autocorrupt, how much can these tools really help? Microsoft Word has built-in spelling and grammar checkers, and other applications such as Grammarly, Hemingway, and ProWritingAid are available. All of those have free online options, but serious users will want to license an application that runs on the computer. Hemingway costs $20, a one-time fee. Grammarly costs $140 per year, and Pro Writing Aid costs $70 per year, or $240 for an unlimited license. Full-time writers and editors might justify those costs, but most people probably can't. Because all three have free versions, you can at least test drive them, usually with a somewhat limited feature set, to see if you want to spend your money on a grammar checker. The problem I see with any of these tools is that the user can't just blindly accept recommendations. The same is true for a spelling checker, because the suggested replacement word is frequently the wrong word. I've been writing for a living since the 1960s, first on a manual typewriter, no spelling checker there, then an electric typewriter, and on a computer since the 1980s. Although I use spelling checkers and grammar checkers, I've never been confident to allow the automation to simply take over. I do value these automated applications, but only because they call my attention to potential problems. To benefit from automated spelling and grammar applications, it's important to know spelling and grammar so that you can ignore invalid suggestions. Consider, for example, what Hemingway thought about my January 10th article on Linux. It didn't like nearly in this sentence. Currently, nearly 91,000 packages are available for Linux Mint. 
Well, Hemingway said that nearly should be omitted, or that I should use a forceful verb. I do avoid adverbs when possible. Stephen King, a writer of some repute, said this about adverbs, and I quote him here. I believe the road to hell is paved with adverbs, and I will shout it from the rooftops. To put it another way, they're like dandelions. If you have one in your lawn, it looks pretty and unique. If you fail to root it out, however, you find five the next day, fifty the day after that, and then, my brothers and sisters, your lawn is totally, completely, and profligately covered with dandelions. By then you see them for the weeds they really are, and by then it's, ah, too late. Stephen King there on adverbs. Sometimes adverbs are essential, though. Omitting nearly from the sentence I just talked about would change the meaning. Linux Mint doesn't have exactly 91,000 packages. Without the word nearly, precision that isn't valid is implied. The actual number of packages is less than 91,000, so the description is more accurate when the qualifier is included. Users of these applications need to understand grammar as well as know when the automated system is just plain wrong, and then to be able to ignore its advice. So let's take a look at these three grammar checkers I mentioned in action. I tried my Linux article with each of the grammar checkers to see what each application might recommend. Hemingway does not require that the user set up an account. Just go to the site and paste your text into the panel while writing mode is active, and then click the button to activate edit mode. Of the three applications, Hemingway provides the least amount of information. Now, that's not a criticism because sometimes less is better. You'll see some sentences and words are highlighted in Hemingway. Yellow sentences means that Hemingway considers them to be long or complex and suggests splitting them into multiple sentences or simplifying the structure. You may see some sentences marked with red. When Hemingway shows a red highlight, the sentence may confuse readers because they are, in Hemingway's opinion, very hard to read. Purple words or phrases means that Hemingway believes you have used a long word or a complex phrase where a shorter one would be better. You may see some blue words or phrases. This indicates adverbs or weak phrasing. Adverbs are necessary sometimes, but they can be overused. And you may see some green phases. Hemingway marks passive voice that way. As with adverbs, passive voice can be appropriate and sometimes essential. Active voice is generally preferred, but passive does have its place. Hemingway gives each document a readability score. When writing for adults, aim for about an 8th grade score because most people are comfortable with text written at that level. Hemingway will also estimate the reading time for the article and enumerate the letters, characters, words, sentences, and paragraphs. Then I moved on to Grammarly. This application doesn't color code sentences. Instead, it marks words and phrases with underlines. Red indicates a perceived error. Blue marks something that Grammarly thinks could be clarified. Green rates engagement and suggests ways that the article might be made more compelling, but only in the premium version. Purple recommends changes in formality, again premium only, and it also displays a total number of additional problems that the premium version would report and tell you about. Instead of a grade level, Grammarly indicates an overall score using the Flash Easy Reading Test on a scale of 0 to 100, where higher numbers are better. There are also options to send the document to human proofreaders in the premium version. 
and to check the document for plagiarism, also in the premium version only. Lots of features are available only to those who will pay $140 per year for the service. Oddly, Grammarly says the Linux article contains 1,616 words. Hemingway's count was 1,626 words. Microsoft Word and the Ultra Edit Studio text editor both say the count is 1,622, and Pro Writing Aid reports 1,682 words. Hmm. Well, let's move on to Pro Writing Aid. This tool appears to provide an astonishing amount of detail, ranging from overall score and grammar ratings to most used words and unique words, readability rates by paragraph, overused words, a section on sentence structure and length, and a lot more. The sentence structure and length section will be useful for most people who want to improve their writing because it addresses a very common problem, boring structure. Good writers vary the length of sentences and paragraphs. Pro Writing Aid uses a bar graph to illustrate the first 100 sentences and recommends that the user look for areas where your sentences are around the same length. These areas will benefit from more variety to maintain the reader's interest. And that is a very good suggestion. Icons across the top of the Power Writing Aid screen provide access to the lengthy summary report and then allow the user to drill down to specific issues. Style, grammar, thesaurus, overused, repeated words, structure, length, transitions, readability, and a variety of additional specialized reports. Each of those tests considers only the first 500 words of the document. That's a not-so-subtle hint that the developers would like you to pay $70 a year for the premium version. If you'd like to see that long report, I can't really show it to you very well on the TechBiter Worldwide website, but I do have a link to a large screenshot. It's more than 7,000 pixels tall, so click the link on the TechBiter Worldwide website and you'll be able to scroll through what I saw. So here's my overview. If you're looking for a tool that makes recommendations for tightening your writing, Hemingway looks like the best choice. Grammarly, which has been on the market for 11 years now, has a very strong following. Pro Writing Aid will be four years old in April, and it seems stronger than Grammarly in both features and price. And those who are willing to buy the $240 perpetual license instead of paying $70 per year should be able to find a 20% discount coupon by simply searching the web. The caution that does need to be taken seriously, though, is that no grammar checker or spelling checker will be right all the time and sometimes a recommended improvement will actually weaken the writing. That's why it's important to understand how spelling, language, and grammar work before breaking out an automated tool. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat.
Speaking short circuits, when the U.S. National Security Agency found a serious flaw in Windows 10 recently, the agency did something unusual. It told Microsoft. That's what should happen, of course, but it seems to be a new procedure for the NSA. Sometime between 2000 and 2005, the NSA discovered a flaw in Windows and, instead of reporting it, used it to build tools called Eternal Blue that were later deployed to damage the nuclear program in Iran. Concern that the government's malware might become public was expressed within the NSA, but the code remained more or less secret until 2017. The NSA found that its malware exploit had been discovered and decided only then to notify Microsoft. A gang of Russian hackers known as Shadow Brokers released the code that was then used to launch many destructive attacks on computers. Microsoft quickly patched the flaw, but many users delayed installing the patch, thus leaving their computers vulnerable. Fast forward to 2020. The NSA discovered a new serious flaw in Windows 10 and the server operating systems based on Windows 10, Windows Server 2016, and Windows Server 2019. Instead of weaponizing the flaw, the NSA acted to protect Americans and the computing public around the world by telling Microsoft what it had found. Microsoft updated the code to fix the flaw and pushed the update out on the 14th of January as part of the regularly scheduled monthly patch series. So, if you allowed the patch to be installed, you're safe. If not, obtain the patch and install it now. And by now, I mean... Stop the podcast right now, install the patch, reboot your computer, and then meet me back here. Why the rush? Well, there was no indication that crooks had discovered and exploited the flaw, but it's a sure thing that they're working right now to identify the bug and develop ways to take advantage of it. In fact, by now, they've probably figured out how to do that. Even though Microsoft has released a fix for the problem, users need to install the update to eliminate the danger. Unpatched systems fell victim to Russian and North Korean hackers long after Microsoft issued patches for Eternal Blue because users chose not to install the patches. The current flaw is located in Crypt32.dll. Windows uses that to verify digital signatures, and it could allow malware to hide behind a legitimate installer. Using such an exploit, crooks could install malware that would provide access to the entire system. The earlier flaw was used by criminals to create the WannaCry and NotPetya malware systems. The current flaw isn't as severe as Eternal Blue because it affects only Windows 10. Eternal Blue could be deployed against any version of Windows. Windows 10 is a huge target, though, because corporate users are replacing Windows 7 and Windows 8 machines. The NSA's advisory says sophisticated cyber actors will understand the underlying flaw very quickly. That's because it's relatively easy for crooks to reverse-engineer the flaw based on the code used to patch the system. Windows 10 supports Microsoft accounts and local accounts. If you've used Windows for a while and always set up a local account, you may wonder why you should change that process now. Starting with Windows XP, users could link a local user account with a Microsoft account, 
so that the user would be logged in automatically to the Microsoft account after logging into Windows. Starting with Windows Server 2012, users have been able to directly authenticate into their PCs using a Microsoft account rather than using a local account or domain user credentials. When setting up a new Windows 10 computer, users are given two options. Create an account using an existing valid email. This creates an account that works only on the local machine, and some users believe this is more secure. That belief is incorrect. The other option is to use an existing or create a new Microsoft address. Anyone who has an email address at Hotmail or Live or MSN or Passport or Outlook can use it or opt to create a new address at one of those domains. Despite being cloud-based, creating a Microsoft account is both more secure and more convenient, especially if you have more than one computer. For example, my primary computer, a notebook computer, and a Surface Pro tablet all share the same credentials and all automatically synchronize certain settings. Another important feature is the ability to recover data from a drive that's protected with BitLocker. The encrypted device has a password, and forgetting that password locks you out of the drive. Have you ever forgotten a password? I have. If you have a local account and you neglected to store a copy of the BitLocker recovery key, you're out of luck. Those who use login credentials associated with a Microsoft account can connect to Microsoft's BitLocker key recovery service, copy the key associated with the account, and recover the data. And if you want to use Microsoft Hello to sign on to a computer with a fingerprint or face recognition, you'll also need to set up a Microsoft account instead of a local account. A local account can be useful, though. Besides the Microsoft account I use most of the time, I've enabled the administrator account for those times when I need to use the computer as the administrator, not just as an administrator. And that account is local. You won't need any special tools for spare parts. Just visit the website. This week, Malwarebytes Labs says a company that provides mobile phones for low-income individuals under a federal program has been packing those phones with malware. Responding to threats from do-it-yourself home security system providers, ADT has launched its own brand of user-installable devices. And 20 years ago, we were so concerned with battery life on notebook computers that a company attempted to create a super low-power system. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.